Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Craig, superintendent of the West Aurora Schools, and welcome to episode number 29. Today, we're joined by two West Aurora High School social studies teachers, Mr. Kevin Breyers, who is in his 12th year of teaching, and Mr. Will Marks, who is in the home stretch of his very first year in the classroom. Kevin and Will, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having us, Dr. Craig. Yeah, Excited to be here. Absolutely. Looking forward to the conversation. Before we jump into some questions, uh, I want to give a little bit of uh, background um, of why we have this, uh, this combination today. So in our, in our contractual bargaining agreement, uh, the contract with AEAW, which is our local teachers union, both of our parties agreed to a mandatory two-year mentor induction program. And um, that's whether you're you know, in your fourth year or if you're in your very first year, if you're new to our district, we wanna provide those supports. So wanna uh, make sure that, uh, that we have a good conversation about this um, in case people are, uh, have not put, figured it out, we, you guys are a mentor-mentee combination. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we want to get your perspectives on those experiences. So um, I'm going to defer to um, Kevin first, uh, since you got props with the being a veteran. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about not so much the mentorship, uh, but what was it uh, was a tipping point to encourage you to go into education? Uh, it started back in my high school years. I played uh, basketball and soccer in high school, and I became very close with those coaches. And it just helped kind of connect me to the school. And I felt like I, I always wanted to be there. Went to college, going into education, still considering other coaching options, maybe college, maybe club, things like that. But I decided school and teaching would probably be the best for me. Wanted to be around kids on a daily basis and be able to help them in a variety of different ways. Um, so it was coaching that kind of got me interested and, and involved. But then from there, I took it all the way into teaching. Absolutely. So I'm going to nudge you one more step. And it doesn't have to be a, an absolute, but was there a, a particular individual that maybe kind of piqued your interest or made you kind of consider this is, this is a path for me? I would say there were probably two, maybe even three for my high school years. Uh, Mike Healy. Um, was very influential. He was a basketball coach, very detail-oriented, but also found his ways and his time to make connections with the players. Yeah. And then Guy Calipari, who I played with for four years um, as my soccer coach. Again, he coached my whole family, so he like became very close with Briar's group in general. So I think being around those two as much as I was, uh, and then you could add uh, Coach Stellwagen in there as well, who I had in class for, for history. That kind of got me interested towards the history aspect side sure. of things, not just the teaching and the coaching like the others did, but um, he kind of grew my interest level in history and, and social sciences and being able to kind of look at the past in a different way and asking more questions and being more invested and involved and and seeing why it was important to, to kind of understand some of those concepts and That's the information. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. It's amazing. And I, just as a you know, reminder to all of us, every single day we have, we have an impact on, on kids. And uh, think back, you know, how many years now that those influences are still bearing fruit today. Well, um, what, what drew your attention to get into the education world? Yeah, um, I feel like my, my route was a little bit different. 
Um, just having started off as a business major in college, I didn't get into teaching right away. I was planning on going to U of I, planning on doing U of I business there, and then I ended up switching last minute over to ISU. And that ended up working out, obviously switching over to be an education major because ISU is a great university for um, education. But as I was going through my business classes and kind of taking those Business 100 courses and stuff, I found myself not really loving that profession that much. Yeah. And I kind of got to a crossroads in my life where I was like, do I want to, okay, maybe go ahead and make all this money in the business world and be unhappy every day? Or do I want to go in and do something that I feel like will be of value to myself and to others and make me happy every single day? And after doing a little bit of reflecting on that and talking to my parents and obviously my friends and my peer group around me, I realized that a lot of my heroes growing up were my teachers, um, whether it was social studies teachers, whether whether it was my sixth grade history teacher teaching me how to tie a tie before one of our away volleyball games, just stuff like that. I came, I came to realize how important those people were in my life and developing me as a human being. And then so my sophomore year, um, it was kind of a hard transition that year because that was kind of when we were getting into COVID and stuff too. But I ended up switching into the teaching uh, history social science ed program. And again, I'm happy I switched over. Kind of never looked back, and it, it has been a great experience. I had a good teaching experience last year at Juliet West for student teaching, and then coming here with the induction program and everything that we got going on here, like we're talking about today with the mentor program. It's been super, super easy to find happiness in this career. And even after like the long days and like the hard days after our long game of volleyball, get home at 9:30 p.m. Like I still find myself happy to be doing it. So I think that's what's like most important about it. Is if I'm happy when I go home at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it was a good or a bad day. I get like satisfaction from being here and working with the kids every day. So it's been great. I tell you what, I, I wish I was as reflective uh, back when I was your age as, as you are today. It's just, um, that's incredible that you have that clarity to be able to see the big picture and, and have that perspective. So uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts. That's awesome. Kevin, if I can come back to you, you know, one of the things that uh, this is kind of like it, it always takes two to do this tango and without our experienced teachers stepping up and, and being willing to be a mentor, in addition to all the other responsibilities you have, um, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't come off and it doesn't happen by accident. So when you were approached to say, hey, we need you to take on this two-year commitment, what was, what was kind of the nudge that said, absolutely? Yeah, I think there were actually two things that kind of influenced my decision to take this position. The first, I would say the people that I had helping me when I first started. I, I remember looking back to my first year or two of teaching and just how many questions you have, uh, little things too, right? Like databases on the Schoology page or, or grade, grade book systems, right? And those types of questions, having somebody to go to as quickly as having a mentor, it's, it was really, really helpful. So Ryan Sladek was my mentor my first two years, and he was just really helpful in, in helping me get acclimated to the teaching profession and largely the school right? Becoming a part of the school community and everything that went into that. So that was the first part of it. And then the other part is more general, but just the importance getting our younger teachers up to speed. You know, they have a lot of questions coming in just like I did and being able to help them find the way that is going to bring them happiness, but also help the students in the long run too, in the classroom, getting acclimated to the school. So I think it's kind of the, both of those aspects that really drove my decision, the, the people that helped me when I first started, Absolutely. as well as being able to, to help the school community by helping teachers get better and helping them make more connections with kids. Because we're all in this together and people helping people helps the kids. So now you've seen both sides of the coin. What's been your takeaway from this experience now that you're on the mentor side rather than the mentee side? Um, I would say just 
Well, I'm going to take it a little bit of a different route. The changes that have happened, a lot of it is the communication, right? That That's largely the most important piece of the relationship between the mentor and the mentee. And it's turned a lot more digital, technical, right? Texting. Um, so some of the first times we met were, were through text and just the difference of you know, back in the day, whether it was email or calling or meeting, getting used to as a mentor now in this day and age, texting on a consistent basis. And even if that's how how things go today, right? Hey, I know you were doing this lesson. How did it turn out? So being able to check in. So that's been really helpful, but also a slight learning curve uh, of getting used to that line of communication. Uh, So I think that's been a little bit of a a difference. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was that that long ago, uh, but but it is technology has transitioned quite a bit. Even in the last two and a half years during COVID, uh, we found different uh, applications. That's for sure. Well, I'm going to turn to you a little bit. Um, you know, even looking in the really way back machine when I was coming into uh, the profession as a new teacher, there's lots of things to learn and to take in. Uh, lots of tasks and information that you need to be aware of. And then in addition to say, okay, you're being assigned a mentor, you have some expectations, meetings you have to attend, things when you could be coaching, you could be doing great in your, your papers, uh, entering grades in the grade book, all of that. What was your, re- your reaction when they said, here's what this looks like. You're going to be getting this mentor for two years. Here's the, the regime that you need to follow in terms of meetings, expectations, mm-hmm. follow-ups. What was your response and reaction to that? I thought for me, at least, um, having, I think it's a little bit different, like I mentioned before, like going through a large part of clinical experiences and stuff through COVID, where a lot of it was virtual. I think having that person in the school that's there for you, as well as the cohort that can work together, um, I think having that community pre-built in before you even get here has helped me out a lot. And obviously I have, Kevin's my mentor and he's great. And he also introduced me around the building to other mentors that I now have. Uh So it's just an really, really easy in, especially I mean, I'm, I'm sure every department's the same, but within the social studies like department specifically, like I've gotten to know so many more people right away rather than having to kind of like wait around, don't want to step on anybody's toes because I'm a new teacher. Having that mentor in there like, hey, this is my new teacher I'm working with and introducing you around it offers me a lot of opportunities to get to know a lot of people very, very quickly within the school. And I found that to be super, super helpful. And then obviously, in addition to the cohort as well, the people that are in those cohorts, we're all in the same boat. And so it can be daunting coming to like, obviously, first year teaching at a big high school like this. But it's good to know that there's other people in the same boat as you. And obviously, like working with them in community and having those meetings in the mornings, um, having donuts together, whether it's (laughs) chatting about whatever. um, It's always a good time to see and catch up with them to see how they're doing. And then again, just having that mentorship that is available to me on a regular basis for me to get to know others in the building, not just my mentor has been awesome to have. So I'm going to stay with that theme a little bit with you. You know, Laura Beatis is, uh, she coordinates all of this uh, with our many, many staff members. And she refers to this uh, mentee-mentor relationship as an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. But let me, you, you talked a bit about how you were introduced to different people. So how did you work the relationship with your mentor, Brian? Mm-hmm. And then how did those relationships, as you became more comfortable and confident, uh, within your department and then outside your department amongst the whole staff. Yeah. Um, so I remember the first time I met Brian, or Brian, Kevin Breyers, um, was in the <laughs> hall, actually. We were, <laughs> oh. 
Might have. That's okay. It'd be another guy we'll in the conversation here. I was Kevin. I get it all over. Um, but I was walking down by the main gym, and I was just getting a tour around the school because it's a huge school. And then um, our curriculum coordinator just happened to mention, like, hey, I think that's your mentor for next year. And I kind of just waved at him and kind of <laughs> went about our ways because he was coming from soccer camp or soccer practice or something. But then I got to know him. Obviously, got his phone number. And like he said, we were texting over the summer um, and eventually got in here and got to work with him a little bit. Um, obviously, the first couple days, I think, were really nice when we didn't like we had a bunch of meetings regarding school and just like history and social studies in general. So I got to get like a lot of FaceTime with him in the beginning. And then from there, it's just been constant communication. Like during it, we have our lunch hour off right now together. And I think a lot of the communication and building that um, relationship between mentor and mentee, at least for us, has been not really so much asking questions about pedagogy all the time or content all the time, but it's always first like asking, okay, how are you doing? Yep. Like, how are you doing as a person? Because if you're not loving it and you're not happy every day, you're not going to be there for the kids and providing a good education that they deserve. So I think what we've done to like kind of foster a good relationship between us both is first off, okay, how are you doing today? What can I do for you personally um, to make your day a little bit better? What's going on with you? Having that bar set and meeting somebody at a personal level, I think obviously has helped our relationship out a lot in terms of just getting to that teaching aspect of it then as well. So obviously like going through college, you, you learn a lot of things, you take a lot of teaching classes, but you're never going to be prepared for nope. every situation that pops nope. up in the classroom. There's a lot of different fires that kind of pop up here and there. And just having an outlet for that, somebody to talk to, maybe if it was a hard situation that I was dealing with, whether it's at home or whether it's at school, and if that affects how my career is going or how my classroom is run, I have somebody that I can vent to about it and help me get through those hard times too. So I don't know if I fully answered your question, but... Um, I tell you what, I'm just, I'm amazed at your your perspective. And I don't know if, you know, we're going to blame some of this on Kevin, but it, I mean, <laughs> geez, you bring just a wealth of almost veteran perspective to the, it's just, what a big picture. And I certainly am impressed. Sure. Yes, what, a, what a really neat perspective. So not Brian, but let's go with Kevin today. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to your, your intentionality, your purposefulness in creating that relationship with your mentee, and then what kind of your picture was. Because I know we, we script some things of things that you do in activities, but you put your own spin on this and how you think you would, you would want to grow this individual. Yeah, I mean... Uh- to start, Will is a, has been a really good mentor and a really, I mean, we can tell through uh, these past couple of questions and his perspective that this was not all me, obviously. Like he came in with a good knowledge base and, and a good outlook kind of on life and, and where he was going. And it is a more experienced outlook. Um, so it's been really easy to work with. And he's done a good job in kind of all walks uh, of the teaching profession, he is very willing to step out of his shell. And so as he's talking about me helping him meet new people, yes, I did that, but he has to continue to take that next step of of continuing that relationship. Yes, I can introduce them, but he's doing most of that work and being able to cultivate those relationships happens because of, of his willingness to open himself up and, and create relationships with people. So that's made it much easier on me. From the get-go, I was very much wanting to get to know him on a personal level, as he mentioned. And that was one thing I wanted to focus on going through the year is, yes, we need to make sure that we have all the, the teaching aspects ready to go. But a lot of that is done by a lot of different help around the building. Sure. Um, so I remember the first time I met him, I sat down and I said, hey, you want to set up your Schoology gradebook? I already got that done during our first couple of days. Uh, you want to set this up? I actually got most of that set up already, too. I'm like, 
you're awesome. <laughs> right. Um, and then it was like, okay, what do you, what do we need? What do you need? How can we continue to grow this relationship? Whether it's going out to lunch. Uh, and I remember, um, again, multiple people in the social studies department, your first year, they are ready and willing to take you to lunch. People that are more experienced that have kind of that foundational base, uh, are able to help. And so just finding my ways and those aspects to create that personal relationship, whether it's going out to eat real quickly after school or during lunch or, or whatever it might be, um, just finding those avenues. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, am I, am I correct that both of you coach mm-hmm. this year? Yes. Mm-hmm. How many years, Kevin, have you coached? So I actually student taught here as well, and I was volunteer coaching that year. But I have coached every year since I started teaching so here you've as well. So this is my twelfth year yeah. of coaching as well as teaching. So here's my question: There's the teaching aspect, there's the classroom piece, but there's also then now taking on the role of coaching kids outside the classroom. A little different approach. I coached. I was a student athlete for many many years. There's some similarities, but then there are some differences. So my question is. From the mentee-mentor relationship, did that move into the extracurricular, the the athletic coaching realm as well? Yeah. So one of the initial things I did, Will kind of asked me, he's like, are there any ways, because he wasn't uh, set up as a coach right away at the beginning of the year. So he asked me, are there any ways to get more involved with athletics? Because he played uh, volleyball in high school and played club in college and possibly wanted to get more involved. So I started with going to Demetrius, our uh, assistant athletic director, and saying, hey, are there any working opportunities, working clock for basketball, working uh, scores for wrestling, right? Whatever it might be, just to kind of get his foot in the door, introduce himself to some of those people. And then from there, he was able to make relationships with some of the volleyball Ball program, getting to know the head coach Tolis. And then from there, he's slowly been uh, getting help from some of uh, Andrew Plata has been a very helpful mm-hmm. mentor for you in the coaching side of things as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think part of it was helping him to get his foot in the door. And then from there, just continuing to answer questions as they come up, right? As you go into spring break, hey, what does the schedule look like for these kids? What are parents expecting during these times? And uh, those are all important to manage kind of a roster uh, of kids that come from a variety of different backgrounds. And so just navigating those types of situations as they come up. Great. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, I'm going to I'm going to do a two piece here, but mm-hmm. react a little bit if you would. So you've moved into the quote unquote, the adult realm of this. Mm-hmm. And how did that how did that experience thus far? How is that? been different than the movie in your head when you were the student. You know, when mm-hmm. you're going, geez, I didn't even think about that when I was coaching or teaching. You know, you were in the classroom as a kid and you, didn't, you played school. And yeah. now you're on the other end of that and you go, huh, I wonder what that, if that kid's thinking the same way I did when I was in school. Exactly. And I think it's funny just to bring that up this week because yesterday I had a situation that came up that I'll talk about in a second. But I think what changed the most for me, like coming into like obviously adulthood and teaching is like, it's not always perfect. Like, you thought your teacher had everything down, like they knew exactly everything. <laughs> like I teach world history. I don't 
don't know the entirety of world history. I try my best to learn it because obviously that's what I'm teaching. That's what I love to do. But I can't possibly know every list of fact like off the top of my head for everything that's ever happened. And so I think like kind of shying away from that perfectionist part of that. Um, I think that's helped me become a better teacher. But to your point, like it's not perfect every day. Even on Monday, I planned this like great lesson. We were going to have a discussion related to these videos on World War II uh, veterans. It was going to be great. And then I get in and then none of the videos worked. And the kids couldn't access them. I was like, okay, what do we got to do? I was trying to figure it out as we go. And then like we ended up working together and kind of figuring out the lesson for first hour and got got a good lesson to them. But it's not perfect every day. Yeah. And I don't. I think I expected myself and I thought the teachers like in the past always come in and it had to be perfect every single day. Um, but I think talking with my students, they know I'm not perfect and I appreciate that because they can look past my flaws because being a first year teacher is hard and I don't expect to be the teacher I'm going to be in 10 years. But I think like learning to go through those like struggles and those little small bumps has helped me a lot and just talking to my students like, hey, that lesson wasn't very good today. I want to try it again <laughs> tomorrow. And so like being willing to accept that I think has been something that I didn't think was a part of the profession. Yeah. I thought it was like you had to be on every single day. Day. And obviously you try to, and that's your goal, and that's and that's what teaching is. But I think it's okay to struggle every every now and then just to learn a little bit more as you go throughout your first year. So I thought that was important, and I didn't think that was a part of the profession when I thought of it as a student, but now it's a big part of it for me and just learning from my mistakes. Yeah, I think kids, uh, kids probably don't see the fallibility mm-hmm. um, that, that sometimes we, we're supposed to have that mechanical robotic approach to everything and and um, you know the human frailty is is alive and well especially you know we're in the education business but we are in the people business as well so um, I appreciate you sharing your perspective based on the wisdom that you've gleaned from from Kevin thus far collectively if you were to look back on I don't know was it August 17th so yeah August 17th, what, would, 13th. what would you tell your August 17th self? that you now know about the way of the world? I think about if I'm thinking about it from a teaching perspective, kind of going back to what I was saying about not being perfect, I think a big part of it is being okay to ask questions. Uh. Obviously being surrounded by such an elite group that the social studies department is, it's sometimes hard to be like, I don't know this or I need help with this because everybody's done it for a while or they're an expert in their field or whatever it may be and you don't want to feel like, okay, maybe I'm not up to their par. But then I feel like as I got to know the department, it was easier and easier to ask questions when I needed help. Having interventionists there, having people during my off hour to ask questions and bounce ideas off of has been really, really important to me. So I think just the ability to be vulnerable and ask those questions mm-hmm. to people that have the answers for you, if you're willing to ask, has been really, really important to me. And that's something I wish I would have known right away. But it was super easy to fall in that groove, obviously being around the social studies department all the time because they're just a great group of people. And they're all, I know they're there for me and they wouldn't judge me if I didn't know something because I'm obviously just looking to get better. And that's what we're all here to do at the end of the what day. What a great takeaway. So Kevin, I'm going to give you an opportunity. This is a little longer look back. So back in 2011, what would you tell the 2011 version of Kevin Breyers? It's a good question. I kind of take it similar to what Will was talking about with that last question. Uh, the one before that actually was talking about kind of not stressing about the little things. When you come into teaching, I remember my first day, I thought I lost. We used to give finals on the first day, so we could compare how they did on the first day and how they did at the end of the semester. And we used that as a data point. And I remember thinking I lost one of those finals on my very first day and thinking it was the end of the world and thinking that was that was the end of my teaching career and no way am I going to get out of this. And and you do. Right. Uh, And 
being willing to be open about that is very important to us being able to be comfortable coming here every day and comfortable getting in front of the kids and and having fun with what we're doing, right? Enjoying what we're doing. So I would very much agree with, with what Will was saying and not stressing on some of those little things. And the more you're open with the kids, because They'll call you if you're not open with them. They notice that stuff and you can't get that sort of stuff past them. So being open with them, I think, is the best way to go. It's the best route to go. It helps you create relationships with the kids. But it also allows them to see, I think you mentioned fallibility, it allows them to see that and knowing that, hey, this isn't a perfect person, but look at all the good things that they are doing. Look at the positive way that they're impacting the room and these students and and how much time and care that they truly are putting into the students. They will see that and they will notice that. So focusing on those things and not yourself, right? Uh, Some of that is just getting out of your own shell and, and being willing and always uh, always willing to think about the kids first. That's great advice. Kevin, I'm going to stick with you for a little bit as we get close to our wrap-up here. You've heard me speak uh, publicly, and I, in fact, just as recently as Saturday night at our Hall of Honor event, talked about elevating the conversation around public education. I'm a strong proponent and very passionate proponent of the educate, public education. If you could give an insight to our listeners... Where do you think the world of public education is right now in, from your perspective in this environment? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of different perspectives on the teaching uh, profession right now, public education. And I think it's very important to have an educated populace, right? To, to be willing to invest in the kids, to be willing to invest in that next generation and, and being able to, again, put the students first. And it's hard sometimes hearing some of the negative reactions to teachers these days in the public realm. But I do think teachers have a a sense of we're here for the kids. Um, So there's part of me that's able to brush some of that information off or when you're hearing it. But overall, I I think in the long run, we want to just continue to make sure that we're investing in the kids, investing in their educations moving forward and putting as much time and effort as we can into creating an educated populace that a democracy is reliant on. Democracies need educated individuals who are invested in politics or what is happening in the world. And so being able to help them recognize that it it still makes a a lot of, you know, makes me happy in a way. Being able to brush off some of the negativity as much as possible and then making sure that we're investing in the kids. Absolutely. And I did sense just a little bit of your social studies background creep into that response. Well done. Well said. So, Will, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you could respond um, what is your perspective on the state of public education as you know it today? I think just thinking about, obviously, just me coming out of high school, what is that, four and a half years ago now? So sure, I, now it makes me feel like really old. <laughs> but it hasn't been too long, but I think a lot of the goals have stayed the same, right? And so when we're talking about how school looks now, obviously we went through COVID when we had Zoom and we had half virtual, half hybrid, all that stuff, and, and the format of school has changed. I think I agree, and the bottom line is that with what what Briars just said, 
that at the bottom line, we're here for kids. And that's what we sign up for this profession for. We're not signing up for this profession to be famous. We're not signing up for any other reason. We're here for the kids. And so I think as long as the population and like the, the public as a whole understands that, I think there'll be a little bit more understanding of just teachers as a whole. And like I said, things change. That's just the way of the world. And that's important to move forward. But just knowing that and having it like the end of the day that our students are the main reason we're here. And our goal is to get them to be successful people and humans in the in the future and respectful humans and caring for others all of those things that we are trying to teach through our content here is important for the future so i think for me first year teacher i don't know any better i think the future's bright um but i think i'm 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 very happy with the profession I chose. I have a lot of faith in it, um, and I'm happy to be here. Just being around the communities that are within West, I think, has made me see that in a more positive light than maybe people would see in the public. But I think, like, the best thing I heard in our, like, mentor program was, like, our West is best, or you don't know till you know. And I think that rings very true, and I think maybe that's why I have such a good perspective on the education program is because I'm here with these people and with you guys here today. And that maybe that's why I got a bright outlook on the education career, because I think it's an awesome field and I think everybody should get into it. That's so. outstanding. Well, I appreciate the optimism because uh, we need more of that energy, that positive. Um, and so I appreciate what both of you guys bring to the table, um, not only for education, but here at West Aurora High School and in our West Aurora School District. Uh, it bodes well for our students in our community. So I want to thank uh, Kevin Breyers. Appreciate you being here. Will Marks, uh, thank you for your conversation, for your insights and your commitment to education and to our kids. Uh, really appreciate you guys being here and having the discussion. Thank you for having us, Dr. Appreciate Craig. It. Appreciate it. Please remember, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and the TuneIn Radio app. We'll see you next time.